Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where we need to have a serious talk about boundaries. Book number 65, Trouble at Home. Is the Wakefield family coming apart? Well, hello, gladiators. We call the <laughs> listeners gladiators, Rebecca. Love it. Hello. I am your host, Marissa Flaxbart. Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. And joining me on the other side of this microphone is my friend, Rebecca Ro- Russell now. <laughs> I yeah. just realized I started to say it. I was going to say you're wrong. Yeah. It's been, you've been Rebecca Russell for so long. Yeah. Um, what a beautiful name. Thank no, you. Oh, my goodness. The only reason I married my husband was for his last name. Sure, sure. <laughs> we know it. <laughs> Of course not. So before we get into any of like the plot of this book, I have to ask you about your previous experience with Sweet Valley High as a series. Oh my God, I loved it growing up. It was like, I mean, so I've, something about me, Gladiators, is I was always the little fat girl everyone made fun of growing up, right? I mean, like I was in all the classes and I was annoying and obnoxious, but also a large girl. And so there wasn't any like... You know how pretty people sort of get away with being obnoxious sometimes because they're pretty and people allow it. Wasn't rich, wasn't pretty, was definitely an obnoxious kid. So I wasn't super popular. We'll put it that way. And books like Sweet Valley High got me through that stuff because I could feel popular through Jessica. Interesting. You know what I mean? I wanted to be, I talked about this earlier with you off, off, off camera, off. Off mic? Off mic. Off mic. I always wanted to be Lila. Because yeah. she was beautiful and rich and popular and was all the things that I wanted to be as a lower middle class fat girl with lots of pimples. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be all the things that she was. And so it allowed me to pretend to be part of the popular group or feel what it was a little bit like in the most idealized version of what a popular girl goes to. Like I look back on it now, I'm like, man, popular girls didn't have it easier either. But in, in Sweet Valley High, they did. I mean, Jessica had it. Yeah. She had it. Well, in this book, Lila Fowler is getting gets a video camera from her dad. It's very so. exciting. She's the first one to be able to get it. So Which cool. is so hard to remember how cool that was, that that would yeah. have been so cool. Because it would have been. But now we're yeah. like, we have that on our phones. Why is that exciting? <laughs> yeah. But it would have been the coolest thing at that time. Yes. Yeah. Um, in the very exciting Jessica B story, which uh, we can save as well, but it's so, it's really special. Um, <laughs> it's really special. Let's, oh my gosh. This book has the saddest cover. Um, it really does. Talk of, yes. like sort of describe it. Of course, as okay. ever, I will post a picture of the book's cover on our Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries. But we have to describe it. All the Wakefields. This is like if you okay. I'm actually going to describe something specific. My aunt uh-huh. has an oil portrait of her three children when they were maybe like between the ages of like seven and. 14 uh-huh. uh in they were painted kind of like in family ties or something yes like an oil an oil picture of them and it's hanging on the wall and they all three that those... too was very popular in the 90s yeah not just family ties but oil paintings of your yeah. children yeah or it's like it's actually or like oil family. pastel i think yeah but it's i i love it honestly i love looking at this picture um i wish that i were in that particular branch of the family's inheritance so that like i one of them is gonna get it but like i want it <laughs> i love this painting so much it's so ridiculous um but they're none of them is smiling. But they do. If you just if you took it up a notch, twisted it down to like sad face, like yeah. we're depressed. That's what the cover. That's of what this, this reminds book is you of the Wakefield. Oh my god! These th- three they're Wakefield so children. They look like someone died, or that one of them is thinking about committing suicide, or all three of them. That's like a suicide pact on the front of this cover. Oh my gosh! It's ridiculous. Um, we've got a twin on either side of Stephen. Uh, my particular particular copy of the book, I'll also post a picture of this. Ha- it looks like Stephen has been like canceled or something. He has. Because <laughs> is this a library book or is this your copy? No, this is my copy. Your but copy? wherever I bought it from, for some reason, they decided to put a barcode right in the middle of the front, so it's covering <laughs> all of Stephen's face. Maybe I'll peel that away he and has we can been see canceled. what facial, facial expressions. No, Stephen he's really has. sad too. I saw the picture online. He's really <laughs> sad too. They're all just really sad. And um, I can't tell which twin is which. Oh, I can. Tell me, which one yeah. do you think? That's Elizabeth. That's Jessica. 
And tell me why you think... Oh, so Rebecca has pointed to the one in the coral vest, if you're comparing to the cover of this book, like on Instagram or something. Oh, maybe you're Elizabeth, right. Maybe it's not. And the other one is Jessica. I think, No, you're totally right. I don't... It's I not. genuinely am not arguing one way or the other. I, I think there are reasonings for both. I think Elizabeth... Or the pink vest feels sort of frumpy to me, but so the other outfit does it's, too. Because they're all frumpy. They're all sad. They want to kill each other. And like nobody's, that's <laughs> nobody's got a ponytail, which is often a dead giveaway for Liz. Um, I think that's why this is Liz. Actually, this is Liz, and also the green shirt. I feel like if it was green or pink, I think Jessica would wear pink between green or pink. And the left is Liz because she's got her hair clipped. She's got her hair clipped back. Uh, back. The reason I originally thought that the green shirt was Jessica is because in other images, Jessica's hair always looked a little bit shorter and Elizabeth's oh, hair looked longer. Interesting. But I think, I think it is actually, I think that green shirt is Elizabeth. Well, also and... green shirt looks more sullen and like she has like dark circles under her eyes. And Elizabeth is definitely more upset about, about the yes. events of this book than Jessica. Yes. I would say it's an Elizabeth focused book. It's a Liz focused book on this Well, one. it's interesting that you should say that because I think one of the, craziest things about this book one of the most unique things about it uh given that now i've we've this is the 65th of the regular series books we've read in order here this is finally uh we've been waiting as with bated breath i'm sure <laughs> uh i'm kind of being sarcastic but this is finally we get a book about ned and alice wakefield <laughs> I like, didn't realize you were waiting with bated breath no, to know more about not. Ned and Alice. Well, mostly on this podcast, we bitch about how they are a terrible parents, but... They have to have done something right to have a kid like Elizabeth. I'm sorry. If their Aww. kid is like Elizabeth, even if one child turns out like Elizabeth, they have to have done something right. Yeah, yeah. But yes, they are clearly terrible parents that they let their... I'm just in books past that I remember briefly. They let Jessica do the things that she does. You're like, come they on. They have their moments of great parenting and their moments of like what on earth are you thinking right now um and their behavior in this book i don't think falls under the terrible parent category but it is definitely uh like about them there's even a scene in the book where it's like from ned's perspective and that was so it is cool yeah bizarre i mean in the end we, we find out that Jessica's at the door overhearing it so it's but it was strange to get it yeah. it's so rare to get an only adult's perspective of anything yeah in the Sweet Valley Hot Books I need to take a moment and admit something to you yes um until I started reading the book I had forgotten that Stephen existed <laughs> for Fair serious enough. for real I did not I remembered them just having parents and being the two of them and there being a four person family I did not remember them having an older brother at mm. all I even thought that the guy on the front was going to be someone who was like a counselor who cared for the, like whatever it was that was going on at home did not realize it was their brother until I started reading and I was like they have a brother? Oh my gosh. I was going to say, <laughs> oh, if he's not their brother, it is a little, it's a little um, upsetting to have him there with his arms protectively around these two women. Yeah. He's so much taller than them. But then also, um, knowing what we know about the way these books often talk about Stephen and the twins, uh, it's also weird. <laughs> yeah. I just did not remember them. him at all. He did not exist in their world in my my memory of these books at all. Well, he's away at college a lot. Um, Fair. At, at Sweet Valley College. It's not very far away. But... but but still, like, I think I would remember that they had, like, it really was one of those, like, um, Berenstein Bears moments where uh -huh. I was like, this isn't real. That's not real. This is the That's... only book where he's a brother. Because he's not in the other books. That's so interesting. You um, know the Berenstein Bears thing I'm I do, about. Yeah. yeah. It's a Mandela Can we digress for a sec? Thing. Yeah. Did yeah. You, if we digress for a sec. Sure. That it's not the Berenstein like everyone thought it was the Berenstein Bears or the Berenstein Bears or whatever it was that it was like Yeah. But it's Stain. Berenstein Bears, yeah. Yes. And yeah, isn't that crazy? Because it's everyone yeah. thought it was. Like everyone I talked to is like Berenstein Bears, Berenstein Bears. It's like, no, it's Berenstein. Right. But well, it's so weird. It's not yeah. real. There's no such thing as the Berenstein Bears. No, they were always the Berenstein Bears. Yes. But I, I believed they were the Berenstein Bears as well. Maybe I'm one of those people that just falls into that realm. For me, I think I felt like, oh, okay. But I didn't have a clear, like, I would have said, Bear, I would have said it was the Berenstein Bears too, because that's a name. I also thought they were Jewish. 
I thought it was like mm. a Jewish. Was it Stan and Jan Baron, Berenstain that wrote it or something? I thought they were like a Jewish couple. I thought that they that the bears themselves. And then I remember now seeing like an Easter book and now a Christmas book. And I was like, why would they be celebrating Easter and Christmas? They're Jewish. No, it's Berenstain. They're not Steins. They're not Steins. They're not whatever. They're not Jewish. <laughs> the bears aren't Jewish. The bears are not Jewish. But also, I thought I thought the bears were Jewish, and I thought that the authors were Jewish. Yeah. Maybe because I was Jewish, I wanted them. I wanted to connect. Maybe I needed. I desperately needed a family to connect I don't to. I don't think, know. I think that one of those names is a lot closer to something that you would encounter in your life as a name, and the other one is not. Berenstain is not so. <laughs> no, but Berenstein. I mean, there are a lot of Steins sure. and Steins Absolutely. in the Jewish world for Definitely. sure. Anyway, totally digressed. Um, so at the beginning of this book, we have um, a lot of dog stuff. Because a, a lot of, of Prince... Oh, Prince Albert, which is a piercing that should not be in a kid's book <laughs> at all. But Prince Albert, sure. Yep. I kept thinking of every single time they say his name, I was like, they're talking about a penis piercing. Yeah, that's definitely the reaction <laughs> that every person who's ever been on this podcast in a Prince, a Prince Albert book, since Prince Albert joined the team. And it, it almost seems like perhaps the... Uh, writers of the series like caught wind of that because they almost exclusively refer to him as prince in this book but prince is he appears to, as sort of like a symbol of neglect like the chores that are being <laughs> undone because what we have is a continuation of this plot of uh ned wakefield being kind of unhappy and unsatisfied at work and alice being really busy at work but at the outset you'll remember that all the excitement is about um peter santelli is going to be... Running for mayor. Yeah, he's running yeah, for yeah. mayor. Maria Santelli's dad, one of the cheerleaders. Yeah. And everybody's so excited. They're going to go... They're going to go to this big uh, fundraising event for Peter Santelli. And, like, the first, um, you know, ten pages of this book are about that. Uh, and then they... Then we just skip it. We yeah. totally like, skip it. Like he's not important anymore. It's um, such... And I... As reading the book, I was like, oh, they're really good at, like, setting up, like, what you're going to be learning more about later on in the book. Except for that part. Yeah. That one part. Like, like they do it, and then they talk about it after the event happened. And I was yeah. like, you just talked about it. Why aren't we going to see what happens at the actual event? Like, there is one other time in this book that that happens. Because gladiators, there are so many, like, parties and events and, like, the family going to do family things um, in this book. Which is funny because... There's also this constant reminder of like, it's been so long since we've done the X together as a family. I yeah. think the whole plot of this book spans maybe two weeks. And they're constantly so... Is it really supposed to be just like two do weeks? Do you think so? I don't know. I can't tell. I mean, it might be like three, but I don't... Yeah, it's hard to tell, but I, I don't think tell. it's very long. Um, but... I should say it was it was shorter. I was going to say it was like a week. Oh, okay. Like in a week. Maybe. Well, there there are just a few different weekends that happen. Oh, that's true. There's more than one weekend in there. <laughs> but that's in true. one of those weekends, uh, they have to go to this party that's like on a boat. That's like an important party for Alice's work schmoozing, and that's also something that gets talked about. Like, oh, I've been looking forward to this event, Ned. Like, you don't understand. And then they agree they're all gonna go, and then cut to it's the after next day. the yeah after the party happened. Uh, <laughs> like, guys, wouldn't it be fun to hear about what a boat party is like? Yeah, like we never had like a boat party in the series before. And that would actually give... Okay, one of my big complaints about this book is the lack of tawdry that's happening in this book, because that's part of the reason I read them as a kid, is I loved Jessica making out with boys, and Lila getting caught doing things she wasn't supposed to, and Elizabeth being put in uncomfortable situations by men who wanted her, but she was in love with Todd. You know, all these things. I loved reading about that, because I had no sex life as an unpopular girl you know what i mean yeah so that was very exciting for me so i was like great i get to read the the tawdry and there was none but if you added in like a boat party it could be waiters that are hitting on jessica or it could be like she didn't want to be there but oh my god there's she's she yeah. snuck alcohol something that in- was like exciting right instead the most like <laughs> sexy thing that happens in this book is like todd and elizabeth kissing on the porch when he walks her home after their like chinese food date yes but um, and not even he just kissed her on the cheek doesn't he no, I think they're really. I think Do they, they have really a real kiss? kiss? I just remember one of the things saying, like, he kissed her on the cheek. They and I was a, like, mom, mom. It was a passionate moment. Um, yeah. Especially for Todd and Elizabeth, who at this stage in the series are a little bit tame, not to sound like Jessica here. Um, <laughs> but but they are because they went through all the stuff that they've gone through. He had to go away, he came back, right? At this point, they, they mention it at some yeah, points in yeah. the book. So they're sort of, they've rebuilt their relationship again and. 
they're back to comfort. They're in a comfortable place, the two of them. Right. And they kind of like stand as a representation of how a couple can go through hard times yeah. but still come back together. Because yes. continuing, you know, I, I have been uh, preparing the gladiators for what I believe is like a, a three-part series that's going to be like, will the Wakefield parents get divorced? And that is another super weird, unique thing about this book uh, that I'm sorry about is that... It's not really a whole story. No, it is not. I at the end, I literally. So I'm sitting there with my husband. Can I say his name on here? Of course. So I'm sitting. To, I mean, that's up to you. Okay, I'm gonna say his name. So I'm sitting with Lee. Lee is my husband. Lee Russell, very funny comedian. If anyone He's gets great. a chance to see him perform, anyway, I'm sitting with him. He's playing his Fortnite on the it, like on TV, and I'm sitting, you know, next to him on the couch. Uh-huh. And I finish the book, and I go, "That's it." <laughs> It was like right around (laughs) chapter 10 and I had, I could see how little book there was left and I was like, oh, okay. Be prepared for that as well, gladiators. We are not going to like get a hard anything at the end of this book. But what, um, we are going to go on a, uh, wild journey that starts with Peter Santelli running for mayor and right away there's some very vague bribery scandal um, where he's being accused by his opponent of, like, accepting bribes. Ned, who um, you'll recall is, like, really disillusioned with his law career, which is strange. Actually, let me read something that mm-hmm. kind of sets up his um, mental state here. Lately, he hadn't seemed himself. He'd been unusually sensitive about his work. He would complain about his career as a lawyer, yet be resistant to advice or discussion about it. He claimed that serving the law just wasn't the profession it once was. For some reason, he no longer felt that it was worthwhile, and he'd been urging the twins and Stephen to make sure they found more gratifying work than he had. His bad mood had affected all of them, and the twins and Stephen had noticed that he and their mother had been arguing a lot. Uh, it goes on to say that since Mr. Santelli's decision to run for mayor, he'd been a lot more he'd been a lot more cheerful because he was had something to throw himself into. But like we've been joking from book one about how often Ned's the fact that Ned's a lawyer is like he makes a funny joke about the law like anytime it comes up. He seems like he's very jovial, <laughs> has a positive attitude, but he's having a he's having a midlife crisis. Which we all, oh yes, he's definitely that's clearly happening, especially because. Uh, later on, he he gets that whole thing that midlife crisis men tend to go through, which is, oh, no, my wife's getting successful or my partner's getting successful yeah. and I'm not as successful as they are. And that tends to be a thing that happens in life, that men go through that midlife crisis when they're not feeling as though they're fulfilled in their job yeah. or didn't accomplish whatever goal they wanted to accomplish with their job, but their wife or partner is than accomplishing that. That happens right. and so often. Don't you think, I think there was kind of an interesting and almost like commendable nuance to what, the way this book handles that. Yes, because in the 90s, we didn't have a lot of women that were money makers. Yeah, and it's not it like, still, you know, yeah. it's not like Ned is mad that Alice is working at all. Yeah. It's like she's having a really, like hitting like the peak of her career and he's having a really hard time. And so it's not like he's mad at her for having a job. Yeah. He's He's not even mad that she's successful. It's more that he's mad at himself for not being where he wants to be. Right. And some of that is clearly, this is why I went to the midlife crisis thing, is that some of it is clearly a perspective, like his his sort of skewed personal perspective thing. Like he's not seeing things through the cheery lens that he, we usually watch him seeing things through in, in the, in the periphery of, of these books. And we can honestly say like, cause it's, spelled out really quickly right at the beginning of the book that Peter Santelli, he's going to go to trial and he's going to need a trial lawyer. Ned is like, I'm not a trial lawyer, but you know what? I'm going to take your case because it'll, you know, it'll give some meaning to my life. He, like, Alice doesn't really want him to, or she's not sure it's a great idea because he's so out of practice with it and he's been so busy and at work and now he's going to be even more busy and stressed out. Like, she's not sure. As soon as they brought in the bribery and that it made no sense, to me, it was setting this up to be a mystery. And I was like, ooh, the Wakefields are going to figure out through some way 
how the bribery happened with Mr. Santelli and who's doing it. And it's going to turn out to be like, I literally was like trying to read through this going, <laughs> where are the hints as to who it actually is that sent the, sent the $10,000 or tried to frame Mr. Santelli. And I thought Mr. Santelli was going to be mayor at the, by the end of the book. I was kinda, sure of it. I'm kind of with you. Um, yeah. it, it was giving me vibes <laughs> a little bit of the, um, the super thrillers where yeah. uh, some serious, you know, there's sometimes politics in the super thrillers and we're, we'll talk about him later, but there's a character named Charlie in this book that is sort of mysterious. And I was kind of like waiting for him to be a part of the scandal. Ooh, but nice tie in to, yeah. For now, let's just say that Peter Santelli's case is dismissed and this book and Ned Wakefield, rather than being like, hooray, he's not going to jail, as I feared. Uh, then I thought an innocent man, my friend, was going to go to jail and now he's not. Instead, it's like that's also viewed as a failure because Ned is like, if I'd done a better job of his, as his lawyer, then we would have been able to make it clear. Like I could have cleared his name. It wouldn't fully. have just been he's acquitted. It would have been he's... Um, or not acquitted. Oh, like the case would've... would have been dismissed. He would have been acquitted right. like, of all wrongdoing. And then he could easily run for mayor because there would be nothing bad on his <laughs> but ticket it's... anymore. Didn't it sound like the case against... I mean, Gladiators, if you're wondering, like, what case against Peter Santelli? What was it? The book is very vague about what's happening. It's just like some money was deposited into his bank account. I mean, I have a feeling that this is going to come up again in future one of the next couple books, like what really happened. But money was deposited in his bank account by somebody and it looks like it was bribery and he doesn't know what it's about and everybody that he says he doesn't know what it's about and i believe him as do the wakefields i only believe him because the wakefields believe him so much yes exactly so i feel like the book wants us to believe him yeah um but in it's it sounded like the case was dismissed because the prosecution didn't have enough evidence so I don't think anything Ned could have done would have changed that. You know, yeah. he's the defendant, uh, def- you know, he's the defense attorney. But you're right. He should have been just really happy. His friend's not going yeah. to jail. Instead, he's like, is- I screwed this up even worse now, you know? Yeah. So there's this big scene where Liz, who is really just increasingly been out of shape and like taking on everybody's problems in the family as her own. Like she needs to figure, you know, of course she's Liz Wakefield. This is what she does. Mm-hmm. She tries to solve. She's highly problems. empathetic and she wants everything to be copacetic. Jessica, yep. oh, that rhymed. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica even calls her out at one point. And this is one of these moments where as an Elizabeth, I like identified so keenly and like painfully with this um, call out from Jessica who was being awful, but like what she's saying is not wrong. So uh, they're having this conversation and Jessica says, mom and dad know how to take care of themselves, silly. What if they get a little tense with each other from time to time? It's not exactly like the world's falling apart, Liz. Why don't you just calm down and take it easy? A little bit too glib of an attitude from Jessica, but here's Liz's response. That's easy for you to say. When was the last time you went to the grocery store or even fed Prince Albert? Jessica propped herself up on her elbows and glared at her twin. Nobody's telling you that you have to do that stuff, Liz. You just go ahead and do it, and then you get mad at people. Well, you can't blame me if I'm managing to have a good time anyway. (laughs) So it's like, nobody's asking, like, you're mad about how you're put upon to do things that nobody asked you to do. And I'm just like, oh, God, no, I see myself. Like, it is so true. But then there's, I mean, she's being way too glib for what's going on, but that's just Jessica. She, yeah. If it doesn't affect her, it's not important. No, she's obsessed with her <laughs> own story, which I promise we're getting there. But so here's the scene. So Jessica, so Elizabeth decides, I do that all the time. So Elizabeth decides that the way she's going to make things really special for her family, she's going to make a big spaghetti dinner because, oh my gosh, how many dinners, how many times in this book does some, is somebody late for dinner? Not just late for dinner dinner's ruined because they're late for dinner or dinner's ruined because someone came in with like a cross look on their face or a poor story about what happened during the day, which, wow, my life would be ruined if that's how dinners worked in real life because my God. (laughs) So what's happening here is that Elizabeth has gone to a lot of trouble to cook a big spaghetti dinner for the family with like an amazing homemade sauce and um, she's boiled the spaghetti and they're waiting for mom to come home, waiting for mom to come home. Mom's home late and she hasn't called, which she does do repeatedly in this in this book. She she isn't just late. She also like forgets to call and say that she's going to be late. Which is very, very rude. No joke. 
real, really, truly yeah. in real life. That's very, very rude when your family is waiting for you. Yeah. I can say that because that's happened to me now. And as a partner, you don't do that to your partner and you don't do that to your children. Well, not don't. if you have a plan, which this family does, yeah. that they eat dinner together. Like, that's a special thing yeah. to have these family dinners. That's, like, why they are so... <laughs> the fact that they're ruined is important at all. Yeah. It's sweet that they do it. But, yeah, it's like, are we going to wait for you or not? So they're waiting so long for Alice that... Uh, the spaghetti is way overcooked. Like, Elizabeth forgets that she needs to take the spaghetti out of the boiling water or whatever. And I was thinking, like, okay, well, that's the easiest thing to fix. Just boil some more spaghetti. Yeah. But they don't have any more spaghetti. The cupboards are bare because nobody's gone grocery shopping. Ugh, the drama. Uh, and we could yeah. talk a lot about, like, why that's Alice's job. but um, <laughs> or... Which we should talk about why Alice <laughs> is expected to do that. Or yeah. Elizabeth's job or whatever. But yeah. I guess people do have their roles like their chores that they're responsible for. And if that's going to shift, a family does need to discuss in what way it's it should be shift. communicated. It's true. But so which part do you want me to read? Um, I would love for you to read the part of Alice. Okay. I'll be Alice. And I would like to add before we start that what's happened right at this point is that Ned has just basically hit his snapping point with being mad at Alice's absence and at the dinner kind of, going south and has decided like they're looking for frozen dinners to cook because he's hungry hi everyone mrs wakefield said cheerfully as she opened the kitchen door she was holding a bottle of champagne guess what we did it we got the project she twirled around the kitchen setting down the bottle and engulfing the twins in a warm embrace can you believe it your mother's going to be in charge of the group that won the competition to design the interior of the new west wing of sweet valley mall that is a long sentence. A very long sentence. <laughs> this Alice's very complicated work project here. Okay. <laughs> Shocked silence greeted this news. Mr. Wakefield stared at her, still holding the frozen dinners. Ned, I'm so happy. Mrs. Wakefield cried, throwing her arms around him. You may be happy, he said coldly, but you're also extremely late, Alice. Liz made dinner for you and tried to keep it, and the fact is, it got ruined. If you're not considerate enough to come home for dinner, couldn't you at least call... The look of joy and exuberance vanished from Mrs. Wakefield's face, and she looked questioningly at her husband. You sound pretty upset, she said slowly, as if she were trying to get her balance back. Is anything wrong? How's the trial going? All right, good move, Alice. She's she's yeah, trying to, she's to aware. Reg self-regulate. Yeah, right? she's aware something's going on. Oh, Mr. Wakefield made an exasperated sound. It's all over, Alice. The judge threw out the case today for lack of sufficient evidence and lack of sufficient defense. It looks as if Peter's political career is all over, washed up, he sighed. Mrs. Wakefield bit her lip. I guess this wasn't very good timing. I didn't mean to rush into her blurting out my good news. I'm sorry, Ned. For a full minute, no one said a word. Mr. Wakefield stared at Mrs. Wakefield expressionless. Well, he said at last, you must be very excited. His words came out so flatly, Elizabeth's heart sank. Couldn't he be happy for her mother? I, well, I, I am, Ned. Mrs. Wakefield said in a soft voice. Mr. Wakefield cleared his throat. <clears throat> I take it that means we'll be seeing even less of you around here from now on than we have these past couple of weeks, he said gruffly. Mrs. Wakefield turned pale. Then, clearing her throat, she said calmly, I hope we'll get things under control fairly quickly, but it's a huge project, Ned. You know that. I'm asking my staff to work extraordinary hours, and you know it wouldn't be fair unless I was willing to work there with them. I would have hoped that you'd be happy for me. Mr. Wakefield's eyes flashed with anger. I am. I'm glad you've gotten what you wanted, Alice. And before she could say another word, he stormed out of the kitchen, leaving everyone else staring after him in alarm. Okay, we could probably stop there. Very dramatic. So that's how Elizabeth's spaghetti dinner plan went. <laughs> so so that's the vibe. Mm -hmm. I, 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 the reason I really wanted to read that scene is because I do think it illustrates the sort of complexity of the situation. It does. Because I'm so tempted to really point the finger at Ned and be like, God, he needs to be more supportive of his wife. But it's kind of like two people that are both so like at their 
at their breaking breaking point, point yeah. that they have don't have the ability to like be generous with the other person. So Alice throughout this book has these thoughts and ideas about how what Ned needs right now mm-hmm. that are like wrong. I think she's wrong. Yeah, I think she's wrong too. So does Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> But she's tr- but the interesting thing is that they're both trying in weird yeah. ways. Like even Ned later on, which we'll get to at the end when he gets his big ask or whatever, is yeah. trying to be appropriate about when he talks to the family about it. And he wants to talk to them before he makes a decision. And that's very thoughtful to do for your family with something that's such a big deal, you know? Yeah. And, and lesser people would probably just immediately go, yes, I'll do it, you know? And right. he thinks about it, which we'll talk. I know we'll talk about No, we later. can talk about it. Let's go okay. ahead. So, so yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, Mr. Patman comes and, mm-hmm. and and somebody named nap but <laughs> yeah what we i don't know him maybe it'll be important in the next couple of books i don't know yeah probably because yeah. he was like a campaign manager or something for for Ms. peter santelli peter santelli yeah um so mr patman comes in and that's bruce patman's dad in case anyone's curious yeah duh, um, everyone, knows that. everyone knows that um so he comes in they knock on on the wakefield's door and ned answers he goes oh can we go talk in your study and they go talk in the study and he's like hey Mr. Santelli is not working out, but we think you'd be a good mayor. <laughs> and he's like, what? You want me to run for mayor? He's shocked. Yeah. He's shocked because I think we all are shocked. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Just because he's a nice guy. He's like a genuinely good guy and a hard worker. Yeah, they were they were kind of know. like, your passion, your passionate energy supporting him was really noticeable. Like, we, oh. we saw how much you obviously cared about him and like cared about the city. And like, we think this other guy sucks. Uh, I mean, what a huge boost to your ego when you're going through what he's going through, this yeah. midlife crisis, to all of a sudden go, okay, these very wealthy, you know, powerful people want me mm-hmm. to be mayor of this city. That's a huge ego boost. And instead of jumping on, which I would have expected him to immediately go, of course, yes, I'll do it. He literally had the forethought to sit there and go, okay, let me see how this is going to affect my family and talk with them about it before I say yes or no. Yeah. And this is the scene, so by nice. the way, where we see it from Ned's perspective. Like, he mm-hmm. gets the privileged perspective, which is rare that an adult gets that. But then we do find out that Jessica was listening at the door. Mm-hmm. And then Jessica is like, wants to blab about it. But Elizabeth is like, don't say anything until, like, maybe you're not even right. And like, let dad bring this up. Because it's his news to share. But then he keeps not sharing it because it's never the right moment. Because Alice is so busy with work. Always working. Working weekends. So he's trying to be polite, I guess. Or being too polite to each other, I guess, is the situation. I think that's... I think that's about right. Like, or, or the other thing it could be is that he's waiting for a moment where... He feels like the news will be well received and she Mm -hmm. keeps on because I think he has a sense of what her reaction is going to be. And it's going to be we can't both be this busy. Yeah. So I need to be the one who gets to be busy right now. And you you need to not, Um, which I don't know if that's fair, but I think that's what she'd probably would say. And that kind of is what she says. Yeah, it Uh, is. It is what she ends up saying, but it's also blurred out in like the worst way possible as opposed to being something that could be discussed rationally. It's definitely... Not. Not discussed rationally. Well, all this parent fighting talk is heavy, so I think it's time Mm -hmm. to trot out a brand new segment. Okay, what's the segment? The segment, I decided we should call it, uh, in honor of um, Sweet Valley's Mean Girls, we're going to call it, You Can't Sit With Us. You Can't Sit With Us! (laughs) I love it. Okay, yes. So. Do I get to pretend to be Lila during this? Because that's what I want to do. If you want to. No, you have to it's right at the beginning of chapter eight, so it'll be easy to okay. find. Okay. Uh, we mentioned in our reading, our beautiful reading, that Alice uh, got this big mall project. And of course, uh, everybody's excited because it's a Sweet Valley Mall. It's an important place. There's a lot of funny <laughs> comments about like, are, is she going to name a wing after you, Jessica? But um, yeah. The she's got a, like a cover story on the newspaper, which she like hides from Ned, and then Ned goes to work, and everybody's talking about it. So this is how this like weird. She shouldn't have hit it. Yeah, she didn't have to bring it up, but she shouldn't have hit it. Like I'm trying to think how I would de- deal with that if my husband's going through like a rough, depressive sort yeah. of time, and I'm doing really, really well. I would just sort of sit it on the table, and like if he brings it up, then we can talk about it, and if not, yeah. we just you know it's all good, and he gets to know what's going on in the world, and yeah, or like know. maybe have the private, longer version of the conversation that she was sort of having when she came home with the good news, like oh, I guess this timing is pretty bad, where you're like, hey, listen, I know good things are going on for me, like let's figure out a way to both be, yeah, I love it for you to be happy for me, but I don't want you to think that I'm 
forgetting about you. But yeah, let's anyway, be mean girls. Come on. So lately, the girls, uh, Jessica, Amy, sometimes Kara, and Lila have really been on a streak lately of. Every time we get a scene with a few of them, they're up to something and it's often wild. And I just thought this scene was funny, just the conversation they have and where it goes, knowing what we now know about what's going on at the Wakefield house. Do you want to be Jessica or do you want I'll to be I'll just her read friends? the scene. Read the I'll just thing? read the whole thing except okay. for you say Lila's lines, okay? Okay, great. Thank you. <clears throat> I really want to be Lila. All right. So how does it feel now that your mother's a big hotshot designer? Amy Sutton asked Jessica at lunchtime on Wednesday. Jessica poked at her salad. It's great, she said. I keep waiting for my mom to tell me she's going to name a wing after me. Fat chance, Lila said, snitching one of Amy's french fries. Hey, how's your father taking it? Isn't it hard on him now that he's just helped Mr. Santelli lose his chance of becoming mayor? That isn't exactly how it happened, Lila. But I'm sure Daddy can cope. He's been a little blue, but he'll snap out of it. I wouldn't count on it, Amy said. Don't you know how stressful competition can be to a marriage? Jessica shrugged. Everyone makes such a big deal out of this stuff. My parents are fine. She grinned. Besides, the more besides, the more wrapped up they are in their own problems, the more freedom I have to worry about my own love life. You mean with the phantom phone caller, Amy asked? What phantom phone caller? Lila demanded. This was just the minute Jessica had been waiting for. Oh, nothing, Lila, she said dismissively. It's just that I met this incredible guy through one of those party lines. You've heard about them, haven't you? Party line? What are you talking about? Jessica giggled. You must be too busy with that video camera of yours, Lila. Why don't you try the phone sometime instead? It's not a bad way to fall in love, you know. <laughs> okay, so I actually... <laughs> um, let's see. Let's unpack this. <laughs> so the main reason, I think we have transitioned now from... This is amazing. From my new segment... Uh, you can't stay with us into the part of the podcast where we talk about boys. Yeah. Because in the previous segment, I really wanted to highlight what a bitch Lila and Amy are to Jessica. They are a-holes. Basically like... Seriously. Your dad ruined Peter Santelli's campaign. Your parents are probably getting divorced. Yeah. Bad news. These are terrible friends. Um, But there is one boy that we need to talk about. Which one? His name is Charlie. Oh, that that boy. So Rebecca was complaining at the oh, beginning of this yeah. book, right? Really so that we don't get any like sexy stuff. But there is a an object of of desire mm -hmm. for Jessica in this book. It's just that he is only a voice on a party line. A sexy husky voice. Yes, he's a beautiful voice. <laughs> and Jessica has been calling a nine hundred number, which we all now know. That is a no-no. You do not spend that money. That stuff is crazy expensive. You'll get thousands of dollars on your phone bill. We all know that now. She, well, Jessica doesn't because she does not pay attention to the part no. where they say how much it costs at the very beginning of the first call. A dollar a minute. She finds is out. What it is. She when she by the time she finds out that it was a dollar a minute, she's like, uh oh, I've been on this call at least thirty minutes a night. Yeah, it's like this is three hundred ninety. So that's. $2,100, $2,100 if she's gone for a whole week of 30 minutes a night talking on this line, right? If she's gone $210. No, because it's a dollar a minute times 30. Oh, you're right, $210. I got more excited. <laughs> no, $210 is a lot of money. Yes, that is a lot of for, money. In a week? Jessica yes. doesn't, like, that amount of money has been trotted out in these books before as being an insurmountable sum. Yeah. So, um, but she, that's... That actually also doesn't, is not brought to bear in this book at all. No, she gets no comeuppance yet. <sighs> but she, um, she joins in this party line. She's like on this weird tip that it's gonna like, she's gonna show Lila like that she's into something before Lila is, which is why she's With like. With a party line? Like, I don't understand this. So I don't dorky. understand this at all. It's totally something I would think Elizabeth would do. It honestly not... creeped me out. Like, yes. it made me sad for Jessica to think about her instead of like going on and like living her life. She's like sitting in her bedroom on the phone. It's like, 
I mean, there's lots of modern day prophecies. This book was this. not fulfilling. I will let you know in that way for me. There was <laughs> no so tawdry fulfillment. I know. And Jessica, <laughs> she's being a bitch, but she's not having fun. Like she is having fun, but you're not living vicariously through her having fun because you're thinking, I don't want to be on a party line. With no. Me. You know, I mean, Pay we all, all get to money. Ugh. We all in the modern day, we all get to interact with strangers a lot. So maybe we're forgetting how uh, the allure of interacting with local strangers uh, seemed at the time, I guess, because yes. now it's just like, oh, God, yeah, strangers on the internet, they're the worst. Yeah. Except for the ones that listen to your podcast that you put out. <laughs> Love them. <laughs> they're amazing. But um, let's see. So here's some moments uh, from Jessica's party line. Jessica introduced herself. There were six other people on the line. Four girls, Michelle, Sarah, Nicola, and B, and two boys, Michael and Charlie. Where are you from, Jessica? She liked his deep, sexy voice. He definitely sounded cute. From Sweet Valley, what about you? I'm from Riverdale. Charlie said, naming a nearby town. Hey, you two, this is a party line, remember? Sarah said in a coy, possessive voice. Jessica felt her heart beat a little faster. This was definitely her kind of thing. Now she knew she had to compete with Sarah for Charlie's attention, and there was nothing she liked more than going after what she wanted. For the next 10 minutes, everyone joked around, talking about school, shopping, surfing. Jessica made sure she got to pitch a few comments directly to Charlie, and she lingered over his name when she said goodbye. Hey, Jessica. Well, I didn't. <laughs> Will I get to talk to you again? Maybe, Jessica said mysteriously. I haven't decided yet. Oh, that voice. It's dazzling, Jessica. I can hardly wait to hear it again. Good night. Dazzling, Jessica repeated to herself as she hung up. That was one of the nicest compliments anyone had ever given her. Charlie must be quite a guy, she thought. She could hardly wait to talk to him again. The party line was even better than she thought it would be. <laughs> Okay, when I was reading this, I did imagine his voice to actually not sound like I just made it sound like. I imagined it to actually be a very sexy, you know, slightly gruff but sensitive voice. I don't know. Listen, I'm uh, <laughs> talking a lot of smack about party lines here, but I do think I'm a, I am a big voice person. Like, that's something that I do find makes a big difference for me in terms of, like, um, feeling attracted to somebody. And I think that if, like, I have met a guy that I was talking to online in person and been disappointed that his about what his voice sounded like, you know? Yeah. So I almost feel like I w it would be easier for me to, like, be, like, I would be less disappointed by someone physically than I would be by them They're having by their voice. voice. Really? <laughs> yeah. That being so said, this, I still stand by this is super dorky. Um, and I, I haven't tested that out yet um, <laughs> but if they had a really good voice let me put it yeah, that way yeah uh like who has a really like what actor has like a really good voice that you love well it's hard to say because you, they're connected they're, with their I, yeah they're connected with their visuals so it's more like i mean i i i am in... i know how we do it animation what animated character has the voice that you want do you know what i'm talking about because then you can't see what their actual face is it's just their their animated voice it's a hard one, right? Yeah. I mean, I always had a crush on Aladdin, but I think that's not just his voice. That's not, yeah. It wasn't just his voice. Um, you know what else makes it hard is that I, I'm not a big, uh, like, celebrity crush person. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I, I am, I could think of examples from my real life of times <laughs> that I heard, that I heard voices. Or, like, I could also think of examples of, like, podcast hosts whose voices I really like that I'm like, uh, but I work in the podcasting arena and so I don't want to, uh, <laughs> you don't want to name, name your podcast creators. crush? Yeah. Um, podcast crushes. But that's like uh, the next series. Podcast crushes. Ooh, good idea. Okay. <laughs> let's all give Rebecca bonus points for trying. Trying to get me to reveal my my voice crush. Uh, what's the voice? I can't. That I'm I can't think for? of any either, though. If that helps, I do. Yeah. I will say though that I'm like I love a beautiful like low voice. Mm -hmm. Like I do like that a lot. Like not like sub bass level. Yeah. But, like I like I like a low voice. I'm trying to think of anyone that has that voice that I really really like. That's just like that's a cute voice. Oh, I also love. I, I'm I'm like this is very basic, but I'm very into accents. 
Oh yeah. Like particularly I like actually sure. like like British accents, Irish accents like that. So um here's another thing. Oh, this is you're gonna love reading this part. Okay. Okay. Um the part where he says he's a poet. It's, oh yeah. It's uh, right at the end of chapter three. Okay, right at end the end of chapter, chapter three. Okay, let me get to it. Let me get to it. So Jessica, so what happens later on in the book, Jessica calls again because she just keeps calling and like these same kids are always on the... What is that about? That it's only these like same yeah. five kids? Which by the way, this is a service is advertised to, to teens, but as Elizabeth is going to point out, anybody could call this number. Like yeah. there's no way of knowing who you're really talking but to. But also like, so when she calls in, I'm wondering if they're like, is that like, is there a name of their particular party line yeah. or is it just these five it's kids so who weird. keep calling over and over it's again? It's very strange. Um, but yeah. Charlie and Sarah are on a already and they're talking and Sarah sounded annoyed. Charlie's just telling me a joke. Go on. Oh, I got to do my Sarah voice. What was it? It was like, um, Charlie's just telling me a joke. Go on, Charlie. Charlie paused for a minute. Actually, Sarah, Jessica and I have, well, we have sort of a phone date, don't we, Jessica? Sarah snorted. (laughs) A phone date? It's true. Jessica cut in. She loved the feeling of daring and intimacy the party line gave her. <laughs> she also loved being flirtatious over the phone with a total stranger. Okay. Now, if I laugh too much at Jessica, it's like I'm kink shaming now. But yeah. Um, okay. Hey, she asked Charlie. Did you think about me today? Even once? I thought about you without stopping. You were the substance of every breath I drew. Jessica giggled. You're so... You talk so beautifully, she said. Charlie's a real poet, Sarah chimed in. That's why we all have crushes on him. To to tell you the truth, I really am a poet. (laughs) In fact, I wrote you a poem today. But I'm too shy to read it to you. Yet. Jessica was completely charmed. A poet on a teen talk line? What were the odds of that happening? Lila was going to be completely freaked out. Okay, so amazing. <laughs> oh my god, this whole subplot is Actually, amazing. I am a poet. Yeah. Oh my god. But eventually she realizes uh, that like Lila is not in- going to be impressed unless she brings this guy and she shows how awesome he is, which this is dumb even for Jessica. And the reason that she thinks that he's going to be really hot is not just because of his voice, because she saw a picture of a happy couple with a really hot guy on the teen party flyer. So stupid. So that's why she's assuming that he's this really hot guy. And he keeps on like, so she calls him up on his, I thought the phone date thing was especially weird because it's like, you're on a party line, guys. Like a phone date needs to happen Separately. Privately, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like a group phone date. And how that's... are they exchanging numbers? Because it's not like they could text each other. So not everybody has their numbers I'm on the party sure. line. But uh, somehow mm. Jessica calls Charlie at home. He's like so happy to hear from her. But they keep on not being able to get together. And Jessica is starting to be really worried that... Not worried that there's something wrong with him. Worried that he's not interested in her enough to want to meet her. Yeah, she's like, what? why doesn't he want to meet me? And he like, he'll, he makes believable excuses, but only after he finds out that Jessica already wasn't available. Like the big thing uh, that happens at the end of the book where we finally actually do get to go on the trip, which is yeah, that the family just takes hear a, about it later. Yeah, yeah. The family takes a trip to Lake Tahoe, which is like, I mean, let's get back to Ned and Alice for a second. Alice has this huge mall project. It's going on. They have this, she, she already had the Lake Tahoe trip planned. Assume, I assume it's a yearly thing. They know that it's going to happen every year at this time. So she's working around the clock and she's, and Ned is like, I hope you're going to be able to put work aside for this weekend. She's like, "Mm, I'm not sure. Maybe I shouldn't go. And she's kind of like, maybe you should go without me. But it's like, if this is really so important, she keeps insisting, this is just temporary. This is, it's going to be like this. I need your support while it's like this for a little while. So it's like, why not reschedule your Lake Tahoe trip or something like, or this is why the boundaries thing, like, come up with a way to say, okay, you guys need to handle this without me for two fucking days. Yeah. But instead, she's like, my team is putting on all the work. I need to put in as much work. It's like, mm-hmm. we're talking about two days. It's the weekend, Alice. Like, either change, like, don't, it's it's so strange to me that she can't see I've man I've managed products products projects before and I can tell you you when you're the manager of the project 
you get to decide what the timeline looks like. <laughs> like you get to be like, great, we're going to do extra time on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because on Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I have other plans. And can I say that part of what happens here is that her assistant, um, Julie, I think Julia, is her name. Julie, Julia Julie, calls remember, yeah. to like give some messages about how Alice like calls the house and Elizabeth answers and makes this like barter with Julia that like it sounds like Alice is going to back out of the weekend and, and stay home to work. And she's like, Julia, you really need to encourage mom to go. And Julia's like, I don't know. Like, what I, I would feel a lot better if I had a number to reach her or something. So Elizabeth gives her the number of the, like, lodge that there's no phone at the cabin. That's, like, part of the whole thing. Yeah. Which sounds like a dream. Like, right? Alice, take advantage of being uncontactable. But, but so Elizabeth is like, okay, well... We mom has to go on this trip. My parents are going to get divorced if they don't go on the trip. Um, so, and I think that's going to be important actually <laughs> in the next book that Probably. Elizabeth really feels like uh, she has to keep her parents together. So yeah. she gives away this phone number um, to Julia. But this whole time I'm like, what could fucking be an emergency? We're talking about designing... Three days. It ends up being three days. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's it. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And they're literally coming back on Sunday like in the evening. It's a half day on Friday. Yeah. Like, and, and on Sunday. It's like they she was saying they're leaving at six o'clock. So get the whole are, rest of the night. They're pitching a design for a wing of a mall. Like, if it's like a deadline thing, then then she needs to postpone her trip. If it's not a deadline thing, there is no They already such... got it. I mean, they got the contract, so there's not a deadline. There's no such thing as a mall design emergency. Unless unless there's like... <laughs> a mall design unless emergency. Unless something is like the, you know, the atrium is collapsing onto the customers, you know. There's, there's no such thing. So it's so weird. But also, okay, as a project manager and a mom, you sit there and you go, okay, I'm going on this weekend with you guys. I need to take two hours on this particular day to make phone calls. I know I have to make these phone calls. I will tell all my people at work. That's when I'm available to work. It'll be those two hours and the whole rest of the time I have with my family. That would be a great idea. That would have been a really good solution. Manage your time, man. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Alice is like acting out a little bit too. Like this is she her version be. of a midlife crisis. Like she's tired of being in charge of the family so much. And so she is like... She's like, Ned, now you do it and I get to go work. Right. But yeah. instead of like actually having that conversation, yeah. she's kind of just like acting it out that way. And, mm -hmm. and it's out of some sort of deep-seated resentment or who knows. But but that, that, this is what happens. They go to Lake Tahoe and at a certain point, it's like things are going medium well, not so great. You know, of course, Jessica finally spills the beans, uh, like makes a faux pas about revealing Would that her dad's... Would it be so great once you're mayor to be able to do this, yeah. whatever it was that she was excited about? And Alice says some terrible thing about how it's ludicrous. And yeah. then she has to, like, it's such a rude thing to say that she actually has to, like, backpedal yeah, a little bit. Yeah, of course bit. she does. She was, an, she was a jerk. She was a complete jerk. Yeah. She's like, that's ludicrous. Who would want you as mayor? What? <laughs> like, how can you say that to your own husband yeah. that you love and you would want to see as mayor, right? Like, you believe in him. That's right? awful. It's awful. And they're just both at such breaking points. I think that's why that comes out that way. It has to be. Yeah. And then, of course, she does get, like, they're, they're supposed to play charades together. And she's brought work with her to the cabin so she doesn't come play charades. So they don't do that tradition. And so it's like, she she is kind of ruining it for the she's family. She's 100% she is. This is where, like, it's her fault. At first, I was like, Ned's really not being reasonable. But then she's being unreasonable during a whole trip yeah. yeah i mean she like there are a couple fit times in this book we didn't even talk about earlier on in the book uh she really is like ned you didn't tell me about this uh legal fraternity banquet that's happening on friday like we should go to that and he's like i don't feel great about the law right now like i don't think that's going to make me feel any better about it especially not after this disaster with this recent trial and everybody's talking about that and she's like, no, it'll make you feel better and it'll be fun for all of us and it'll be a thing we can do as a family, they keep saying. And, you know, they go and it's a disaster and it's like, Ned told you what he needed and you didn't listen. Mm -hmm. And so when Alice says, I don't think I can come this weekend, it's she is saying what she needs. Yeah. But mm -hmm. they never talk about like, what if we reschedule you know, it's always, it's always this like it's either this weekend or it's not happening. It's kind yeah. of what it feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's maybe the cabin stakes? almost like false stakes is what it feels like. They put stakes on it. What it didn't really need to yeah. have. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe this cabin like you have to rent it out in a year in advance or whatever. They Could have be. a weekend. They always go, but 
Um, it is, anyway, <clears throat> she's doing the work. And then finally on the last day, they're going to resolve to have a good day. And they go horseback riding and she gets another phone call and she goes back to take it. So everybody's in a really sour mood. Steven is with them too. Everybody mm -hmm. is like, oh my God, this is he so bad. He even got off from college for a weekend. Ooh, because college life is very busy. <laughs> yeah, Steven's college life is <laughs> um, He's been like going with his, with to work with his dad a lot because he's often the like translator for his dad's moods when they get home from work in this book because he wants to go into law right isn't that his goal is to I, be a lawyer probably i mean yeah. these books are not that creative in terms of oh are we gonna read this father son this. mother daughter yeah. like the the son looks exactly like the dad and the kid daughters look exactly like the mom so the son's gonna do what the dad does i always thought that was some bs and then my best friend michael he looks exactly like his dad, and his sister looks exactly like his mom. And I was like, oh, okay. It okay, it does happen. And then, like, then like her daughter looks exactly like her and her mom. It's weird. And then her son looks just like her husband. It's really weird. <laughs> it, it could definitely happen. It's yeah. interesting, though. I mean, this cover is a good example of how different the the twins look. Super blonde, Steven. super dark hair. Okay, but what what are the... we looking at? Yeah. So I don't usually do this or I haven't done it in a while, but we're going to, I got to read the ending pages of this book to you all so you can see just how devastating of a cliffhanger this is. And it's, yeah, it doesn't end at all. Okay. Um, do you want me to be Mrs. Wakefield please. again? Okay. Sorry. It couldn't be helped. There was a disaster in the office last night. Sal had this brilliant idea to use inter interactive software to design part of the new wing. Well, the computer went down and we lost almost everything. Mr. Wakefield looked stiffly ahead. So, can we go on and enjoy the rest of our day? Well, as a matter of fact, it looks like I'm going to have to head back home. They haven't been able to recover everything, and we're going to have to go over a lot of the designs we originally laid out. And with the deadline coming up... She paused for a moment and looked at each one of them. I feel awful about it, but I think I'd really better go. She took a deep breath. It isn't like I'm leaving that much earlier than you are. I mean, you're going to leave around six this evening, and by the time you get back, I'll be done, and we can all have dinner together, and... Alice. Mr. Wakefield interrupted. That isn't the point. This weekend was set aside for us, all of us, as a family. I know that, Ned, but I can't... Look, it'll... it's only a few hours difference. Mom, you can't go back, Stephen said anxiously. We only came up in one car. I checked with the innkeepers. There's a bus leaving in half an hour. If I just gather some of my stuff together right away, I can make it. Mr. Wakefield's eyes filled with fury. It's astonishing to me to see how little respect you have for this family right now, Alice. You've always been the one who said that family commitments come first. They do come first, but I can't abandon the design team either. They need me. Elizabeth felt her eyes fill with tears. We need you too, Mom. She choked out. Look. I've asked all of you before, and I'm going to ask you again. I have to work extra hard now that my firm has been chosen for this project. I need your support and patience right now. I don't like my being away from you any more than you do. I have to go now. I'm going to ride back to the inn and let them take the horse for me. Mrs. Jenkins said she'd give me a ride to the cabin to get my things. I'm sorry I even bothered to worry about how running for mayor would affect the family, Mr. Wakefield said coldly. Since you obviously couldn't care less, why should I? For your information, Alice, you're not going to be the only one with extraordinary commitments anymore. I'm going to tell Henry Patman that the answer is yes, I'll run for mayor. So what if I won't be home anymore? It obviously won't make any difference at all to you. Elizabeth felt her breath catch in her throat. Each word her father said seemed to tear at her. She could see from the shocked expression on Jessica's and Stephen's faces that they were feeling the same way she was, terrified and numb. Do whatever you please. I'll see you tonight at home. Alice, if you take off right now, you're doing more than just walking out on a weekend, Mr. Wakefield said. You're walking out on me and the kids, too. Why don't you just stop and think for a second what that means? Are you threatening me, Ned? All I'm saying is that I can't stand this anymore. If you leave now, you're leaving me. You're leaving our marriage. Elizabeth thought she was going to faint. She heard a buzzing in her ears and could barely sit up on her horse. Mom, don't! She cried. But it was too late. Mrs. Wakefield had already turned her horse around and was headed for the inn. Elizabeth couldn't hold back her tears. She didn't know who to look at or what to say. She felt as though her life was ending. Where before there had been solid ground to stand on, now there was nothing. Was this really it, then? Did this mean that her parents were going to throw away more than 20 years of marriage? 
What's going to happen to the Wakefield family? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 66. Who's to blame? Coming next month, the second Sweet Valley Superstar Edition, Bruce's Story. Arrogant, spoiled Bruce Patman is in for the fight of his life. Bruce's grandfather has set up a contest between Bruce and his cousin Roger. And the prize is control over the Patman millions! Oh my gosh. So yeah. that's the, that's Imagine that's Gladiators. The... You, it's 1990. You're kicking back with your favorite fun Wakefield series. Uh, and uh, that's the end of the book that you're reading. You can also imagine you're sitting on the couch with your husband. And all of a sudden, that's the end. And you go, that's it? Because <laughs> that's what I did to Lee. And he's like, what? Yeah. What's happening? Imagine you're standing in your Los Angeles kitchen. Uh, <laughs> you just poured yourself some afternoon coffee. And you're like, wait a second. What? Mm-hmm. These are all possibilities. I'm at, you can imagine any or all of them, guys. Uh also, I feel like it behooves us to say that we just uh, came back from a minor crisis yes. where I thought that the whole episode was lost and I, you know, my, my computer had crashed or something. And when I went back to it, uh, we actually had the whole file except for um, right the last after. few minutes. It basically, it stopped recording after Ned's ultimatum. So even the computer was like, fuck this noise. <laughs> it's over. It's done. <laughs> So no, no, no more. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, Rebecca, what to do. Like, do you want to read the next one? Like, I would like. Be... I kind of want to be a part of this. Okay. If we can read the next, I want it. I need to know what happens. That's all I'm saying. I need to know what happens. I Whether don't... you have me on this show or not, I want to read it and know Guys, what happens. We did not discuss this, but I think this. If you have the time, like, let's make it happen. I'm into I want it. You to I'm be super with me into it. Journey. We're okay. gonna do it. I also can we just talk for just a second about why? Why do you think Charlie doesn't want to meet Jessica? Is it because he's a skanky old man? Is it because he's hurt? age but maybe like unattractive and maybe someone like that doesn't get a lot of girls and he's afraid or is it because he really doesn't like jessica i'm so glad that you asked me this question because i have a genuine theory (gasps) oh i have a theory too i want to hear yours yep my theory is that charlie is a plant that's what I was going to say, that he's there to get people to stay on the party line longer and make more money. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to. That's what I That was my theory as well. I am so glad because I, I was like, I thought that was a little bit out there. But yeah, no, no, because we know it's a scam in a way, but mm-hmm. also just like. How would this even function? Sarah says the thing which I didn't notice the first in my first read through about Charlie being um, the guy that everybody has a crush, crush on. on. Mm hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, it's because he was—he's being paid by the, by the company yeah. to pull in the girls. So maybe in the next book they will actually meet. I hope they do. And he'll be like twenty-five or something. Yeah, he'll be older and be a plant. And like, I was kind of thinking—I was kind of thinking they were going to go to the the party, and he was going to be like one of the waiters or something. You know, when they, they like go to that. I mean, if this were a complete book, but uh, so yeah. in a book, our book 64 episode, uh, Kat, our guest, one of the guests for that show brought up the fact that as this series goes on, they more and more have a sort of like several like arcs that go over a few books. Okay. So this, I think, is the first example of that happening where the story truly is like, it's not just, oh, let's find out what happened with some character you know, that had, we keep on cutting to during the book, but it has nothing to do with the story. It's like the yeah. whole story is continuing. There's no resolution to the uh, the party line story. There's no resolution to their divorce. No. Um, oh, my God. Or how jealous Lila is. I don't know. That's not really a storyline. She's always going to be, they're always like. If this were a TV show you were binging, you would be like. I didn't know what happens yeah. in the next episode, this for ju- sure. This just happened to me last night. I was watching Severance. I'm a little bit behind. I don't know if people are watching it. but I have not been it's, watching um, Well, it's Apple TV Plus, so it's a little bit like borderline mm. for people in terms of having it or not. But yeah. they have great stuff. Anyway, Severance was... Like, I don't really binge watch. It's a thing. Boy, this could be a whole other conversation. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I... There was a character who, like, I had to keep watching for the next episode to see whether they died or not. Oh, this just happened to me. Yeah. I'm watching on Hulu. I'm watching Veronica Mars. I'd never watched Veronica Mars, and it's a soap opera. Mm. And they finished season one, and you see her open the door, and she goes, I thought it might be you, 
but they don't show who it was. Oh my gosh. And so literally Lee and I were waiting to watch something together after I was done with this with the season. And I was like, I need to watch at least the beginning of the next season to find out who it was that yeah. she knew it was going to be. Yeah. I and I actually, did it. They tell you. They I did you. not watch the whole next episode. I uh, watched the opening few moments. That's right. I watched, it was like the first half of the of the show. Then it got to who it was. It's like, so, I'll, yeah. I'll go with you either way, TV show, but I do need to know the answer to this I question. need to know. Yeah. Well, so um, my roommate and past guest, Megan Keller, uh, she and I have very, very slowly been rewatching Cheers. I say rewatching. I I doubt that we actually ever have, either of us ever saw the first few seasons of Cheers because they were originally on before we were born, maybe in syndication. But so it's all the Sam and Diane stuff. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. there are, we often are like, can you imagine being alive when the show was originally on and having to wait until the next week to find out whether or not whatever happens. Yeah. It Most of the time it's not like that, but occasionally the cliffhanger is so huge. And you're yeah. Like, okay, so... Like, how are people waiting a week for this? And you know that's what they're talking yeah. about at the water cooler and all that. Yeah. I have to tell you that I did do one of my lifelong dreams, which is I had a beer with George Wendt. Wow. It was really cool. It was at um, one of the comedy festivals in Chicago, and he was backstage, and I was backstage, and Mike Myers was on stage performing, and George Wendt was backstage with me and some of the other people that were working backstage. And he's just like, there's beers for everybody backstage. And I was just like, this is a dream of mine. George, will you have a beer with me? And he's like, sure. That's <laughs> I was so like, cool. yes. I'm sure everyone wants to have a beer with him. Like, that's just a thing, right? Because cheers, right? Yes. Of course. Absolutely. Anyway, sorry, I had to throw that in there because that was like my check that off the bucket list kind of thing that's amazing yeah i have to ask you a question that i ask all of my guests okay um i will probably not ask it to you in the next episode or two now so answer it for once and for all um are you an elizabeth or a jessica i think i think while i want to be a jessica i think i'm an elizabeth i think i'm responsible i think that i think of others i'm highly empathetic yeah but I want to not care. I want to be popular. I always wanted to walk in a room and have all the boys look at me. You're like an Elizabeth in one of the books where Elizabeth wishes she were more like Jessica. That's that's the Elizabeth that I am. I'm the Elizabeth that wishes she were more like Jessica. That's great. I think that's yeah. a great answer. And yeah. I actually think a lot of the listeners will relate to that very highly. Because you get a lot of a lot of people talking in the Jessica game on the show where I'm like or I'm past guests too, where I'm like, yeah. mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. But um, that's amazing. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much. Of course. Rebecca Russell. Rebecca Russell. Change your name in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Although my credit card, some of my credit cards don't even have my right name, so you're fine. Yeah. And um, thank you so much for being my guest, and we'll see more of you, which is so exciting. What a pleasure, and thank you, and I'm so excited to come back for, to find out the rest of the story. Well, most immediately, we'll see you next week on Extra Drama. Remember that you can email me at sweetvalleydiaries at me.com. Follow me on Instagram at sweetvalleydiaries. I promise I'll make some more TikToks someday. I'm at Flaxbart there. And on Twitter at Sweet Valley. Gladiators, I really can't stress enough. The lesson of this book is clear. Uh, set boundaries around your work and family life <laughs> you're sure it's not don't call a teen party hotline oh also that <laughs> don't call a 900 number period how about that yeah those um, are the two lessons this, yeah, this yeah. one <laughs> Okay, have you been watching Moon Knight? This is my. No, I haven't started okay. yet. Okay, no. so the guy who play he's he's in um, the Star Wars movies. The guy who plays the main character in that, yeah. but he's British. Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Yeah, he's wonderful. Um, his voice when he's British is amazing to me. When he speaks with an American accent, less amazing to me. He's British. In the I don't know if he's British in real life. Oh, okay. But in the, in the like, show, he has, he's a, British. he has a British accent. Right, in the show. Oh, yeah. So British that and... voice just makes me go all melty. I, you know what? Voice. You know what? Yeah. We got it. We got there. Oscar Isaac's voice is great. Yeah, he's Very got a good. great voice. I mean, it's fine when he's and Oscar speaking. Isaac with a British accent. I haven't watched the show, but I'm gonna watch it now. Oh my god, it's yeah, hot in it's here. Pretty, okay, I know so, it got a little hot in here. I, I'm not, we're not even hearing the voice. We're just talking <laughs> we're just about the thinking voice. About his voice. It's also literally kind of hot in here, but uh, now I have to leave all this Moon Knight stuff in. Oh my goodness, you don't have to. <laughs> so, what's a voice you really like? I'm letting you cut oh out the God. Moon Knight. What's a voice? <laughs> what's what's a voice that like does it for you? Okay, 
in Moon Knight when Oscar Isaac has a British accent. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Oscar Isaac voice is so lovely. Great. Okay. Now you have now you have options. Yeah, this whole thing is definitely going at the end of the episode. <laughs>